And, and I mean, this is this is a family show, so don't be too graphic. But can you describe where the tattoo is? This is the Still Talking Podcast with Colton Zeno and myself, Bryant, our reverent industry podcast. And today we have our very special guest, Mark Schilling. Mark is a... Hey, hey Brian. Yeah. You know that one of us isn't here. Yeah, I know. I was going to mention that too. You fucked up my lead in. God damn it, Colton. <laughs> I was basically going to randomly intersperse grunts and see how long it took listener to realize Zeno was actually still in France. <laughs> Yes, our third podcast partner, Zeno, is touring France right now and could not be bothered to actually call in local time. So what a tool. It's those big sponsor dollars. He stole them all. He did. He took all the dollars. But Mark Schilling is the former president of ACSA, all-time badass, and just a general expert on all things FET, TTB, you name it. He's a good guy. And again, like all our good friends, he's made the mistake of talking to us. Hey, Mark. You you name the three-letter acronym. He's got it. Yeah, you guys really set the bar <laughs> high and early. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid I'm, <laughs> there's nowhere to go from here but disappointment. <laughs> well, good. Ah, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, my friend. All wow. right. Today in news, looking at random press releases that I get throughout the weeks and months, uh, a couple that popped out to me uh, from our yes, good friends. Please, please read month old news. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's great because it's like month old now. And then by the time listener gets it, it'll <laughs> yeah. be like three months old. So it's kind of perfect. Uh, the distilled spirits council blasts a proposed 10% alcohol tax increase in Connecticut. So apparently the great state of Connecticut is trying to increase the excise tax on alcohol and discus like many other organizations is not a fan of that for obvious reasons. So if you were in the great state of Connecticut, that sucks. And I'm sorry, guys. Does the article say why? What are they trying to pay for? Uh, probably like schooling and other things that are just generally passe at this point. <laughs> yeah. Mark, have you heard about any other uh, big tax increases around around the country? I know we hear about these sporadically, but I'm curious if, what kind of experience you've had in these. You know, I don't off the top of my head think I've heard much about uh, tax increase. I feel like maybe I've heard one or two states where there's some dis- discussion about that. But, uh, you know, we've been in the middle of the Texas legislature here, and I have been focused almost entirely on that. Um, I mean, outside of FET, which is what I get up and, and do and think about 24-7. But uh, we are going through the uh, our our Alcoholic Beverage Commission goes through a sunset review process every 12 years. And so this is their year to be up for review. And so we've been kind of focused on that and, um, you know, other things here. But I, I do feel like there have been uh, some rumblings around the country. People, I think, whenever they see an industry starting to grow, they start thinking about taxing and other ways to squeeze revenue out of us. Right. And, uh so I hope that doesn't continue. You know, if you look at taxes across the country, uh, there's a huge, huge range uh, from state to state. You know, luckily, you know, I live in one of the lower tax states and there are some that are just, you know, abysmal. It's a wonder how anybody can run a business in those states. Yeah, it's brutal. Coming from Washington state, we, uh, we have a lot of empathy when it comes to high state excise tax. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys are one of the, 
top three. Or we're the top, I believe. Last yeah. last I heard, Washington State had the highest excise state mm. excise liquor taxes in the country. Yeah, but no income well, tax. You guys so get, who cares? You get off your ass and <laughs> start lobbying. No, and we have a pretty yeah. good. We, you know, Washington State has a pretty good uh, state guild, so they're they're fighting pretty hard on that. The, the taxes are hard though. Like as anyone knows, once taxes get in place, it's real hard to reverse. So our friends there in Connecticut, do your best to make sure that doesn't go through because it's going to be real hard to ever reverse. Ah, well, that's a great segue into taxes. <laughs> yeah, actually, I know you guys want to talk about we, that, and and I, I had a couple of things I wanted to say about that before we get into please. it. And of course, we can talk about other shit too, uh, before or after or whatever. But uh, I think middle will be best. Okay, but <laughs> I, I, just, I, just, I want to I want to ask a question, sort of set set a uh, a reference point for for the discussion on taxes, wherever it may happen. Um, I didn't realize until today that the very first still talking podcast was on FET. That's okay. No one knows three. I had not. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Despite my best intentions, I had not uh, listened to it until today. I am amazed, and you guys should be given the greatest props possible for being able to talk about FET and the fly in for 48 minutes <laughs> plus whatever the extra time was that you came back on episode two and finished it off. I can't believe you, you were able to spend that much time on it and go into such excruciating detail. The second point I want to make is what is, um, what episode is this going to be? Do you know? 43. 43. How many episodes would you say between one and 43 have you guys talked about excise tax exclusively zero (laughs) no no not exclusively we probably mentioned it but as a as a significant portion oh never as a significant portion occasionally it gets mentioned at the end of well no i mean the first one was was all about fet i'd say maybe four episodes we kind of dropped it as something that's in the back of our mind as something to be concerned about all right so four episodes between one and 43 and this is the first opportunity I get to come on and talk about it. Come on, guys. <laughs> so you started out by shaming us. I like it. So yeah. Clearly a fan of the you podcast. Know what? Did I mention that did I mention that I had listened to some of the episodes and I'm completely prepared for that? Well, here's the thing is now we know we've made it as a podcast when people are actually shaming us for not being on the podcast, which is again, I question your uh, thought process behind that, but it makes us feel damn good. So thank you. Oh, I didn't say I wanted to be on it. I'm doing this as a public service. Touche. No, that is a really good segue. And actually, Mark, why don't you give listener just a little bit more detail on your background? Just a quick bio of where you come from, why you got involved in FET. Oh, God. I, I know. I know. Make part. it make it like 30 seconds. And honestly, you can make it all up because no one's going to fact check it. You're fine. Yeah, we won't fact check. Well, what you're saying is no one's listening. No, uh, there is a listener. We've made that. No, I mean, yeah, I, that's a point that we always establish. <laughs> Now, when I first got interested in um, starting up a distillery, um, I started kind of poking around and getting a feel for what was going on in the industry. This was, oh, probably 2010. Um, One of the first things that I came across was uh, some discussion that uh, had to do with lowering the excise tax and that, uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really familiar uh, with the intricacies at the time, 
but uh, you know, some distillers around the country had noticed that the beer guys had a reduced rate for small brewers. Um, and then kind of looking around, realized that the winemakers had a re- reduced rate for small winemakers. Yet distilleries were paying the full freight at thirteen fifty a proof gallon as, as the big guys, and felt like um, it would only be fair to be treated similarly. What what happened was a bunch of distillers who had no background in politics or policy or, or lobbying managed, despite themselves, to get a bill filed in Congress. And you know, I got to give give those guys credit. You know, Ralph Lorenzo and Melkin Kosrovian in particular, I, I consider sort of the godfathers of, of FET uh, reduction. They had gotten a bill filed. Um, unfortunately, it was sponsored by a Democrat and a Republican-controlled uh, Congress who was not on the appropriate Ways and Means Committee and wasn't even, uh, as, as I understood later on, well-liked by members of his own party. Despite all of that, <laughs> these guys had managed to get a bill filed and got a little bit of traction on it. And I thought, well, this is, this is my professional background, and I know a little something about this, and I think I can help with it. And I, at that point, I made the, the decision that uh, that was going to be my way of giving something back to the industry that I wanted to become a part of. And holy shit, that was nearly 10 years ago and we're still working on it. We've made huge progress. You know, we passed a temporary reduction and now we got to make it permanent. That's it in a nutshell. I got a couple of questions about starting in with the origins. How did they decide on that hundred thousand proof gallon level? Well, so the well, let's let's first start on the reduction from thirteen fifty to two seventy. Yeah, that's true. That is and, humongous. Yeah, where did that number come from? That, that's a great question, and actually, it's one we don't get asked nearly enough. I don't think. Um, you know, beer and wine are taxed a little bit differently than spirits, so there's no way to really go directly. I mean, it's apples and oranges and bicycles, right? There's no way to directly say, well, this is what they have, so this is what we should have. So if you look at beer, the small brewers roughly have an 80% reduction on the tax that they pay. Now, you know, it's all structured a little bit differently. And so what we did, and I say we, this was before my time. I think it was Melkin, actually, that came up with the, the structure. Basically, it was an 80% discount off of the current rate. To be honest, I have no idea, now that I think about it, where the 100,000 proof gallon number came from. I do know that when I first went to D.C. to meet with Discus about it, and I think it was 2011, they, I thought they were going to laugh me out of the building. But they were very gracious and sat down. We visited, and what they said was, you know, <clears throat> we don't necessarily have a problem with this, but we have a policy that uh, we don't support any kind of tax measures that don't apply equally to everyone. And so, at that point, it was not just a tax reduction for the little guys; it was a tax reduction for everybody. It turns out that 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 kind of worked out better because. With a, a reduction on the first 100,000 proof gallons, or whatever, you know, put that threshold wherever you want. If you if you just said 
once you get to 100,000 proof gallons in production, you go up to the full rate, then suddenly you've got a distillery that is removing 99,999 proof gallons a year that has absolutely no incentive to grow because once they go over that next proof gallon, they're going to have to pay the, the full 1350 on everything. So that's, that's really where we got to the um, up to 100,000 proof gallons, if that makes sense. For, yeah. for everybody. It's yeah. quiet. I feel like you guys need a diagram. Well, whenever you start throwing out numbers, we all kind of gloss over. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's actually important. One of the things you brought up that I don't think gets enough credit is in those early days when you're you know, negotiating, not just with you know politicians, but you're also negotiating within the own industry of discus, the large producers, the small producers. There was, I won't call it animosity, but there was some mistrust there between a lot of the smaller producers, the big guys helping each other out because the amount of proof gallons produced, you know, by a big guy compared to a craft distiller is so monumental and the taxes are so different that it, it was, it was hard for everyone to come together at first. So for you guys to be able to sit down at a table, mm-hmm. find a way to actually you know, build a coalition is pretty damn impressive. And I don't know that that is appreciated as much as it should be. Um, I think it's probably not. I will say that I have always taken the position that, uh, and this, this applies to when, we, when we're talking about what's happening with the beer and wine guys as well, because as you know, we got our first reduction in 2017 in that temporary two-year period, while the beer and wine guys got additional reductions. And there was, you know, I heard some people kind of groaning about that. I've always taken the position, I'm not really interested in what the other guys might get or might not mm-hmm. get. And that includes the big guys. All I'm interested is making sure that our little guys get something that is meaningful and helpful to them. So you know what? If everybody else gets a, a, a good deal or even a better deal, I don't care. I just want to make sure that we get treated fairly. I think you have to have that attitude going yeah. in. And I think it's fair to say this never would have happened had they not come on board. Had there not been something for them, there's no way this would have gone through. And actually, even just the two-year reduction would have never come to fruition without that. I think that is absolutely, absolutely well, right. Well, you, you had to get the wine yeah. and beer guys on too. Well, so so that was an interesting deal. You know, we were out there, we, we had Discus and the big guys on, and we kept hearing from folks, well, uh, you know, what about beer and wine? It's, well, that's not really our issue. And they, they kept saying, yeah, but you got to all be together on this. And so, you know, the smart thing to do was to talk to them and sit down with them and say, hey, let's all work on this together. And there was a huge amount of appreciation for that at the Capitol. I know you guys went to the fly-in, I guess it was, was it two years ago now, or was it last year? I didn't, I, I think it was two years ago, the the one that you guys um, yeah. did the podcast yeah, two on. Years ago. Two years ago. Uh, yeah. Those guys were super, super appreciative that we were all working together on this and had a unified voice. And I'm hopeful that we can continue to do that. And even with beer and wine, there's so many issues that are different, but there are a lot of things that are the same, or at least similar, or at least you know, in in the in the bigger sense of the the industry, right? Yeah, we all work together. We should work together. And you're seeing it like on a local state level when those, you know, when the different alcohol coalitions don't come together, things don't get done, or in some cases they 
things get worse. And I think that's where we're at a point now too, where, you know, I don't know if you're ready to jump into this, but essentially the timetable of this FET reduction is about to lapse and things are about to go back to exactly how they were. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's one of the main reasons we want to talk to you today is because that's getting real close and it's getting real scary. And I kind of want to kind of want to know where are we at with that? What, what can you share with us and what are the action items now? I know there's another fly in coming this summer, but can you give us kind of what's, what's the landscape like? Yeah. So, um, it, it, it's a big fucking deal, right? I mean, for everybody out there that's listening, think about your taxes and think about an 80% increase in, in yeah. what you've been paying for the last year. Uh, you know, for some of the small guys, that might be $10,000. For some of the big guys, it might be a few hundred thousand dollars. But whatever it is, it's a lot of money and it's meaningful. And I think that now that we're in, even though it's yeah. temporary, it's a lot easier to stay in. But when I say a lot <laughs> yeah. easier, I mean, that's a relative term, right? You got to think about the current mood in Congress, what's going on up there, you know, where we are on the, on the food chain. You know, we're, we're not at the top. <laughs> what? Uh, you know, I think it's going to be harder to take it away from us than it was to, to you know, uh, to get it. But it's not an impossibility. You know, we're eight months away from the end of the year and the squeaky wheel is going to get the grease. We've got some 2000 distilleries around the country now. Uh, maybe what 30 percent of them are involved in ACSA. Um, and of those, maybe 20, 30, 40 are actively engaged in this issue on an ongoing basis. I mean, we need people, I mean, if you give a shit about your taxes, spend one hour a week doing something to help your industry. Call your congressman, call your senator, invite them out, educate them, ask them to to get engaged, to co-sponsor the bill. Don't let everybody else do the work for you. Be a part of it. Just to paint a picture for people that don't realize, Mark is so incredibly into the entire FET reduction situation. He got a tattoo after they successfully reduced FET. (laughs) And I just need you to explain what it is and what the plan is behind that. Because I'm just dumbfounded at how dedicated you were. What the tattoo is? it's actually, well, it's kind of hard to describe without a, a visual, but it is, um, it's sort of a, a scroll that has the Roman numerals for, for 2017 at the top. And then it has the initials of the uh, legislation CBMTRA, which is the Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act of 2017. And, uh, you know, we, uh, Nicole and I decided that, uh, Everybody that was a part of the legislative committee that, that was involved in getting that passed should, should get one. And, uh, you know, sort of our commitment yeah. to making it permanent. And, and I mean, this is this is a family show, so don't be too graphic. But can you describe where the tattoo is? Oh, yeah, it's on, it's on the uh, left forearm. It's a it's a very, very everything on the inner thigh place. was already taken, Colton. That's he's already got the full tats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah as far as you know uh, that's pretty spectacular so, okay so yeah so we we've made it permanent already now we need everybody else to to follow suit and and also not make us look like dicks um at the end of the year for having it. right a very specific nerdy political tattoo that no one will understand if this doesn't go through right. so hey let's do this for mark and nicole come on guys <laughs> so what is the process of to get this 
well, extend it? <clears throat> uh, it's kind of it's it's hard to say. The the best way to do this is to get it in, in involved in a tax extenders package. There are probably about 40 different taxes out there that are set to expire at the end of this year. Tax extenders is a thing that's been ongoing with Congress. They, they have always been uh, hesitant to make permanent tax changes uh, on a lot of things. What they do, they'll make something temporary and then they have to come back and reauthorize it every year. Most things I think do get reauthorized, but not always, which, you know, it's a concern for me. I think it should be a concern for every, everybody. We're going to have to work for it and we got to let them know what it means to us. So right now we are looking at maybe two or three big tax bills in, in, in front of the line, uh, ahead of something like this, that is my understanding. But, uh, What's going to really make this happen is getting everybody out there and, and calling and, and making some noise. You know, the uh, the House bill right now has 145 co-sponsors. The House has a new rule that they implemented this year that basically says if you get two-thirds of the House signed on to the bill, that it can skip the committee process and go straight to the floor for uh, debate. I haven't done the math to figure out what two thirds is. Maybe one of you guys can do that in your head real quick out of 436. But uh, at the end of 2017, we had 303 co-sponsors on that bill. And I know that that is more than enough. And there's no reason we, we shouldn't have that many um, on this bill. That's great. In the Senate, we've got 47 currently. We had 56 before, I think, uh, you know, I think we'll hit 51. I'd, I'd love to hit 60 there, okay. but we got to we got to get those calls going. We got to get people inviting people out, educating them, talking about how it impacts their business, and um, you know just be relentless on it. Mark, do you have off the top of your head some of the key states that have not signed on that we need or that were previously on? But I know some of our supporters were either lost an election or uh, kind of uh, retired. Anyone, any states we should target? Seriously, all of them. <laughs> the, the last time I looked, I think we had about 38 states represented in the House, which is pretty good coverage. Um, but we need all of them. And we need, you know, we need to double the number of folks we have signed on. I will tell you this. I, I talked with Jim Highland, our lobbyist, earlier today. There are only, I think, two tax bills in this Congress that have more co-sponsors than we do. So that's a good sign. We've got a good showing for this this early in the year, but we we good a good showing isn't good enough. I mean, we have to to really hammer this home. Okay. Yeah, I think one of the things we can do, I know it's expensive to fly and especially stay the night in Washington. Well, it is expensive, but if you are saving it's less than a tax <laughs> yeah, tax bill for uh, sure. You know, I think the smallest of the distilleries, um, you know, if you're doing maybe two or three thousand cases a year, depending on what you're making, what you, what your alcohol content is, or whatnot, you're probably saving ten or twelve grand a year. Not a huge amount, yeah. but it's more than it will cost you to go to D.C. for three or four days. That's a yeah, fun night right. in D.C. Uh, and if you're you're a medium or a large distillery, it shouldn't even be a question. 
We've got uh, last count. I think we had about 30, 35 people signed up to, to be there in July. It's July 22nd through the 25th. Uh, give a little plug for it. You can get info on the ACSA website. Um, I'd love to see double that number. Well, and one thing we're trying to push as well is, and why I brought up, you know, cost of going to D.C., is contact your suppliers for your materials, for your raw grain, for your botanicals or your glass or whatever. Those guys are going to have probably a sizable business that will be affected by a sunset of yeah i mean you got to think about it it's they're they're probably willing to send a person or two yeah it's not just us i mean everybody that has increased their grain purchases or started buying more glass or you know any of the things you know buying new equipment expanding their facilities all that stuff's going to come to a halt and if you're a vendor or supplier then you know you're subject to lose business too so all the more reason to, to be involved. Yeah. And, you know, just, you know, for vendors and suppliers, this is a twofold win for you because not only do you help support the industry that is, you know, helping to pay your bills, but if distillers are successful, have more money in their pocket, they'll spend more money with you. But also just from a purely callous, you know, capitalistic standpoint, it's a marketing move for you. If you can send either yourself or a couple reps down to be bodies and to help, you know, support you know, the association, the state, then distillers will note that they know if you're there helping to support them and their causes. And that, again, those are the kind of vendors they want to work with. So just as a plug there. That is so true. I will say unequivocally, anytime I am looking for something, I always go and look first at who are ACSA sponsors and who participates in the conference or the fly-in or our our issues and our efforts. And those are the guys that I wanted to do business with first. I will always go and do that first every time. And, and then I'll start looking at, at local options and then I'll go outside of that if I can't find what I'm looking for. I may, I may be a little bit more particular about that than some folks, but I think most everybody out there does want to look for partners in this business that have the same same goals and things in mind. Yeah, Brian, I, I thought you were going a different direction with that and saying that sponsors who save money with uh, FET reduction will have more money to spend. That's actually the underlying theme to every podcast that I'm trying to sneak <laughs> in there is essentially send me more yeah. money. That's really, let's just cut to the chase. Yeah. I don't even care well, if you get a, you know, a subscription or buy an ad, <laughs> just send me money directly. That'd be fantastic. That is, that's great. And I'd like to get on in on that as well. And also while we're talking about the cost of spending a few days in Washington, um, you know, there is an alternative. If you don't think you can commit the time or the money to do that, ACSA does have a PAC, a political action committee that we are raising money to spend with candidates who support the, the views that we have. And, you know, <clears throat> that is another way that you can participate and maybe you can't spend a grand to, to come to DC for two or three days, but maybe spend a couple hundred bucks on the pack and, and show your, your love and support that way. Yeah. So anything you don't send yes. to me, Brian Christensen at Artisan Spirit <laughs> Magazine, please send to the pack to actually support the industry. That's right. Be sure and, 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 um, 
fill up Brian's coffers first, but anything that's left over after that. I will use that money irresponsibly and on things that are morally reprehensible. So thank you. Very good. On one, one night, night in, in DC. DC. Absolutely. Bud Colton and Mark and everyone else there will benefit. So excellent. Hey, I hey love before it. I jump on to the next topic here, uh, I want to go ahead and bring up one because you guys, you know, you mentioned ACSA. You're the former president of ACSA. I do have a question. I'm seriously. I am a former president. A former president. Thank you. Uh, I do have a serious concern about ACSA. They just held their elections and they just elected this complete asshat Colton Weinstein <laughs> onto the board. Can you explain what the hell happened there? Well, um, yeah, to the former it, president. It, no, it's pretty simple. The, the, the former president uh, finished his term and there was a gaping hole and uh, you, you, you can't fill uh, the shoes of one asshole by somebody who's not an asshole. So Colton was the, the perfect uh, replacement. Uh, that is the best bio for Colton I've ever heard. So thank you for that. No, I, I do want to congratulate you, Colton. I don't think we've actually had a chance to talk about this uh, directly yet. But Well, I was keeping yeah, no. it secret and then ACSA blew They kind of blew it up with like press releases and notices. So yeah, letting people know who their duly elected representatives are. It's kind of how it works. Yeah. yeah and you know, it, what's really great about the ACSA board, I don't know if you've, you've really noticed or tracked, but but every year, every election, it gets a little bit better and a little bit better. And, you know, I, I've got a huge amount of respect for the folks who have committed the time to, to do that. It really does take a lot of time and a lot of effort. It's super rewarding, but, you know, it, it's, it's really important for the industry. Colton, I'm watching you. If you could see me right now, I'm doing that little thing where I point at my eyes and then point at your face. <laughs> Oh, good. He's totally <laughs> going to fuck it up. Let's just be clear. <laughs> Couldn't be any worse than Letco did. <laughs> oh, Letco! <laughs> oh, shots fired. All right. Hey. So- and actually, let me be clear. The way that he fucked it up is by coming to me and suggesting that I should run for president. No, no. Just in general, I think it's okay to say that Letco <laughs> fucked up. I think that's that's fine as a thing to do. Yeah. I'm Because eventually he will be uh, convinced to listen to an episode of this podcast. And I want to make sure it's this one where we call him out. Absolutely. And I want to say that, you know, my involvement in the board and eventually uh, serving as president uh, was due to um, the influence of a number of people, but it was mostly Paul. And I I blame him and the rest of you should as well. (laughs) Fucking Paul. (laughs) All right. So the only topic more sexy than FET tax reductions are TTP proposed rule changes. And you have made the... Oh, horrible, shit. horrible mistake of not only actually taking the time to read that document, but telling people you read that document. You know, I don't know how this happened. Um, I thought the FET tax thing would be my one big project for, you know, the year. And, uh, you know, then, damn it, rules happened. And here we are. And I have read the document. I've read it several times. And uh, every time I read it, I either read something new that I didn't notice before, or I read something differently that, uh, you know, it didn't make the same impact on me as before. You know, Nicole and I have been going through and kind of working it section by section. And every time we talk, you know, we'll we'll look at a, a section and suddenly there's a a new way to think about it or something like that. It's, it's a huge undertaking. There's a lot of detail in it. I don't want to fuck it up. Um, and we probably 
won't get it all right, but we're, we're hopefully taking enough time, getting enough input from enough folks that whatever we do get submitted in June will be at least, uh, you know, how much of it they'll take, I don't know, but hopefully we will be able to make some kind of a, a deliberate impact with our comments. Okay. Well, I will make sure you get no help from the ACSA board. Well, um, as much as I have given you no help on the safety committee, which um, I'm, I, I, I've been looking forward to this podcast because I want to make a public apology to you, Colton, after pushing so hard to get the board to um, to to make that committee official, I have been pretty much a piece of shit and and not um, participating at the level that I originally intended but I'm gonna blame it all on taxes and rules that's a that's a fair that's a fair <laughs> and, and maybe a little bit of laziness if it makes you feel any better essentially that committee had the most members of any any committee of ACSA literally had no one helping besides Colton it finally took this year uh John and Johnny of the Good Guy Distillers group had to threaten to kick out anyone in the group who didn't help Colton on the committee. Finally, he's mm-hmm. actually getting email responses back. That's what it took. Oh, we're getting a ton done now. Seriously, just a little bit of threats is is uh, all it took. The people, <laughs> people are, are safe. Well, I do read the emails even even though I um I haven't really contributed in any meaningful way. And I do talk about safety all the time and and nobody wants to go to work and blow up in the morning yeah. or at least nobody I know. Right. Good job, Colton. All right. So what, uh, what's the most infuriating, uh, proposed change? Um, God, that's really not a fair question. I don't think, um, because for some people it might be one thing and for other people it might be another sure. thing. I will say I think that for the most part the the proposal is pretty good. I think that you know TTB is a good agency. They have for the most part um, the right ideas and they want to do the right thing. I know that a lot of people have been really put off by the barrel size thing. I have maintained that from the beginning that I don't think it, it's a serious uh, question on their part that they really just wanted to throw that out there and kind of get a sense from the industry, what we think about it. Um, I don't think there will be any change there at all. Um, you think maybe, maybe they use it as a bargaining chip No, so they could sneak something else under the table. No, honestly, I think that maybe somewhere it came up in conversation and they just thought, you know, let's, let's throw it out there and see what people think. Um, and I think they're getting a lot of feedback and I've been surprised to talk to at least three or four small distillers that like the idea of doing that, or at least they, they like it until we start talking about it. And typically once we start talking through all of the details, like, yeah, you know, it's probably not a very good idea after all. (laughs) I also, for the record, for those of you um, playing along at home who can't see, I am enjoying a nice uh, glass of booze right now. And uh, I want to tell you about it. You know why? Because of all the people in the world that um, are your favorite host or favorite guests on the podcast, those being Nicole, Maggie, and Johnny, um, I noticed that my name wasn't included. Um, Ooh, um, <laughs> Yet, unlike two of those people, you're actually I, I, on. I, so, 
<laughs> well, I, I wanted to give a shout out to the three of them because they're actually some of my favorite people too. And I thought that uh, the least I could do is that while we were um, talking tonight is that I would enjoy a little something from each of them. So I'm, I'm, All I'm mixed working. In one glass. No, 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 no. I don't do that infinity <laughs> crap. I guess we'll leave it as a mystery of which one it is. Oh, well, no, I'll tell you if you, if you <laughs> yeah. want to know. I started out with a little bit of Maggie's uh, Queen's Share nice rum, twist. which, by the way, I, I do think this is the year for rum. Yes. Oh. Zeno's going to be so fucking pissed he's not here right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, then I had a little tiny bit of Kings County bottled and bond bourbon. Excellent. And then... I don't know if this is actually Johnny Jeffrey's uh, time period or not, but I had some uh, little Cole Keegan. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I, I just had a little tiny bit of each, so I guess I'm going to have to start back through. I think that's important, especially since you've been talking about <laughs> TTB now for the last 40 minutes. Right. Well, I, you know, I, I didn't want to. I didn't think anybody would want to talk about TTB and FET the whole damn ah, time. That's where you're mistaken. That's all we want to talk ah. about. <laughs> that's all we want to talk about. <laughs> all right. Well, um, let me tell you a, a cute little factoid about FET that I went and, and conjured up the other day. The numbers are still um, a little bit out, but uh, I I thought people might be interested to know that. Even with the reduction, um, I was looking at the first quarter tax returns for TTB, just distilled spirits, uh, both import and export, or import and domestic, and um, really not not much difference. Um, collections are down a little bit, not very much. And in fact, um, the second quarter 2019 numbers aren't out yet, but if you look at First and second quarter of 2017 compared to first and second quarter of 2018, they're actually up a little bit. Nice. So then, but would we be, are we worried about the second and third quarter of 2018 with the tariffs? Um, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, I don't think that the tariffs have affected sales here. No, no I thought you said export. No, no, I'm, I'm, I meant... Um, both domestic and imports, you know, because those guys get a tax ah, break as well yeah. uh, coming over. And, uh, you know, part of the, the argument against this from some has been that it's going to have a significant impact on uh, revenue to the government. Well, it might if you look at beer, wine, and spirits all combined. But if you just look at spirits, from, from the numbers I'm seeing so far, it's very, very minimal, and it might even be that by the end of the year that it's the same or even higher. And part of that is due to continued growth in the industry. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. And just so listener knows, unlike yeah. most facts and statistics we say on this show, those are actually real. <laughs> Mark didn't just make that shit up like we usually do. So that's actually worth noting. Oh, no, that's <laughs> true. I, I, I do make shit up from time to time, but these I did not make up. I actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not really great at spreadsheets. But I, I put one together and I, I got the TTB data and it's, 
you know, it's not very fancy or anything, but I'm going to keep it up. And as I get more data, I might try and turn it into That's something. That's pretty great. Cool. Hey, we're in year two now. Have we been able to gather with the different data projects and some of the research projects exactly how many new jobs were created uh, from the when the FET reduction happened to now? I mean, I know it's not necessarily a direct causation, so, but it, it a lot of it is. So it, it's really, really difficult to come up with numbers like that, um, you know, Typically what happens, any, anytime you see those kind of job numbers related to a thing, it's because someone has done some kind of a study and extrapolation and there are all these variables and factors and things like that. Um, especially with a, an industry that is as young as ours, there's just not enough really solid data out there to, to be able to draw from. There's not any way for... Um, for for in most states, distilleries to um, to provide that data to a place where you know it goes into a, a database where we can look at it. So most of that data that you've seen is extrapolated from other like, economic indicators. And so like, like us, they make it up. Yeah. yeah, I should yeah. Have just Hey, Colton, that, Colton, right? I think there is a, a hole we can fill here. There are 4,000 new jobs directly <laughs> created because of FET due to the Still Talking podcast. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> but our taxes are also too high. <laughs> right, so. right. Absolutely. So let's get that into the, uh, the next tax bill. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's actually really good to know. Circling back real quick to the TTB proposed rule changes, changes. are we still in the open commenting period? When does that end? Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, we set up some, some deadlines and timelines and things originally. And, you know, the, the, the comments originally were supposed to be due in March. TTB has extended uh, that till uh, June 26th. We're still working on it. Um, on the one hand, but if I remember, if I remember correctly, at the convention, we should be waiting to do the comments all at once, right? They kind of trickle in; it's less of an effect than if there's a big influx. Yeah, all do you of have sudden, a recommendation? You mean for for us and and putting the ACSA comments together? Um, no, I mean like. Oh, yeah, I guess if they're going through ACSA, not directly to the TTB. Yeah, I mean, so what we're doing, we're collecting information from everybody that wants to share and including that not necessarily including all of that in the comments but using that to sort of collate and, and put our comments together and you know some of the things in there seem to be pretty obvious and pretty unanimous across the industry or across the parts of the industry who care about those particular items some of them there's a little bit more discussion on we're still working through that like i said it, it's a lot a lot of work and it's detailed, it's complex. Every time we look at it, we're, we're, we see something a little bit different. Um, if you have comments and you haven't shared them, let us know. Um, it won't be too late until, I know this sounds terrible, it won't be too late until it's too late. And I don't know exactly when we'll have a final document. Um, I'm sure that we will be submitting it just under the wire, but you know, hopefully it'll be completed sometime you know, a week or two before, and we'll have time to kind of sit, think on it and do some editing and right. whatnot. But, what's the, uh, you know, the project is not over till it's what's over. What's the timetable after that? How long does it take TTB to actually make their final decision on any rule changes and then actually publish it out to the industry? That is a million dollar question. It's one, you know, <laughs> 
it could take six months and it could take three years. Uh, you know, this is a this proposal is one that they've been talking about putting out for several years now, and we thought it was going to come out a couple of years ago, and and it didn't. Um, you know, the process is as magical and mysterious um, once we get past that deadline uh, as anybody can guess. Uh, I've worked with comments with uh, both state and federal agencies in the past, and for whatever reason, TTB is kind of a mystery to me. They do not want to talk about the process. They have said time and time again, we've put it out there, you comment on it, and we'll let you know what we think. Um, I think that's odd, but that's what we got. Is there anything in not in the proposal that you wish was? Well, you know, there are a lot of folks out around the world who wish we had an American single malt standard of identity. And, you know, I don't know why that wasn't in there. I think it's, it's something that's been around long enough and has gained enough, uh, enough traction. I'm surprised they didn't include it. But one great point about this is, uh, you know, there's no limitation on responding to only what they've put in there. We can submit, whether it's that or other new ideas, we can submit to them for inclusion and they'll consider them. So, you know, I'm hopeful that that still gets some consideration. All right, Mark, we've hit you with a ton of FET and tax questions and rule change questions. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing in the distilling world right now. What are some of the projects you're doing? Oh, well, that's fun. You just told us. Um, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on FET and PTG Yeah, the fact rules. that you actually do all of that uh, plus actually work in the distilling industry oh, blows me away. Yeah, I do get up and have a regular job. And that job right now entails... Um, most of my time right now is being spent on my distillery consulting work. Uh, I've got a handful of distilleries, both um, under construction and um, in, in, in business that I'm working with. And then I've got a project of my own that uh, I'm going to be kind of mysterious about. It's, it's probably the worst kept secret in, in town around here right now, but um, we're not quite ready to announce it, but big things coming. That's right. That's a still talking scoop. Yeah, it is. yeah it's a Ooh. scoop. Um, <laughs> hopefully, there will be some kind of an announcement in the next couple of weeks, but um, expect big things. The next big distillery project. And you can expect to hear about it on the Still Talking podcast anywhere from <laughs> three to six months after it actually opens. <laughs> yeah, I can expect to hear about it on the Still talking podcast whenever this comes out <laughs> it'll probably come out after your operation is actually announced yeah. so <laughs> no it, it's a really cool project i've been working on it for what seems like forever and it's finally gotten to the place where it's gone from a lot of talk to actually happening uh we've got about 20 acres set aside and we got lawyers working on papers and all that kind of stuff and it's going to be fun because right. I didn't grow go broke enough the first time around. <laughs> you had so much fun the first time. Let's do it again. Yeah. Next thing you should do is start a podcast. That's where you make all the money. Oh, yes. no. In fact, we're rolling um, in it. We, some of us can go to France. Actually, I want to be on the podcast when you guys celebrate your whatever anniversary when we all go to France and do yes, it. Yes, but there. we won't take Zeno. Yes. How do I get to be... How do I get to be in the, in the exclusive club with Nicole, Maggie, and Johnny? You just joined it. 
by by, by yeah, making the yeah. mistake of actually being on the podcast, you're now a reoccurring host. You just didn't know it. So we're just going to randomly call you up and we're going to start talking to you. So that's how this usually works. Seems reasonable. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for all your help with what you're doing and taking the time to talk with us. I'm going to go ahead and do our good friend Zeno's uh, final call out. I'm going to try and do it justice. I'm going to fuck it up. And he's going to be Oof. just absolutely furious that I did this. But here's my Zeno impression. <laughs> uh, final thoughts. Oh, that's pretty bad, good. Right? All right. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate the opportunity to, You're to welcome. chat. Hey, hey. So the final thought is, is it the year of Rome? Um, you know, it, it's funny you should ask because um, in October, I think it was, or November at the Chicago Indie Spirits deal, I, w- I did that panel with Dave Schmier and this, this question came up and I said that uh, I thought 2019 would finally, despite all the past talk, be the year of rum and everybody pretty much laughed me out of the room. So... <laughs> I'm still holding out hope that it's going it to be happens. the year rum. I love that the one time we got a serious answer to that question, Zeno isn't on the podcast. I have a final thought it. as well. Oh, I think that it is the year of low tax rum this year. Ooh, it is. If we and don't fact, get our shit together, yeah. next year will not be. Here's a final thought. Why don't you guys be prepared to do a podcast from Washington, D.C. at the fly in in July? We'll do it. Yes, we'll get senators. Yes. Oh my God. Ah, that that might actually be, be real bad. <laughs> yeah, they're going to make their aides like listen to one podcast and they're immediately going to shut down the entire fly in. Right, so <laughs> yeah. maybe we don't have them on, but maybe we have some. We'll figure this out. We're definitely going to be there. We will do a podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to go so far as to say it'll be a live one, but we will record there. So make sure you prepare yourself. You're going to be on there. FET reduction is a big damn deal, and there's not anybody out there that can afford for this not to happen. So don't fuck around. Get involved. You heard it here. Don't fuck around, listener. All right. Thanks, guys. We love you all. And yeah, call senators and stuff. Love you, dummies.